So let's get into today's lesson. We will be looking at Psalm 142, but that will really be toward the end of the message this morning. And we're going to see what King David, at that point he was not yet the king, we're going to see what David had to say about loneliness, about feeling isolated neglected, no one sees me, no one cares. And we're going to talk about that because that is an incredibly important theme starting in Genesis chapter 1, running all the way through Scripture, that God engineered us to never be alone. He designed us to be at our best when we are with others in community. And you think about this year, I bet there's a lot of different resolutions out here in the room, right? I mean, somebody here probably today wants to learn Spanish this year. Uh, awesome. You know, there is, uh, there, you can only go so far with Rosetta Stone. Eventually, you're going to need people, you know, that you can practice with, that you can, and, and probably you're learning this language so that you can have a relationship with these people, but you're going to get there easier if you have folks around you. If you're trying to lose a few pounds, you're going to need your people uh, to encourage you. Uh, maybe someone has been there, done that, and they're kind of walking you through that. Maybe you need somebody here in a few weeks to kind of hold you accountable. Um, But your resolution is going to be much easier and more effectively attained if you're not alone, if you're connected to other people. And we find out from the beginning that God, our architect, our engineer, drew us up to be communal people to be people who live in relationship. And in fact, you, you not only have to go back to Genesis chapter 1, before Genesis chapter 1, before there was a heaven and an earth and a sun and a moon, before there were human beings, there was community. God is Father, Son, and Spirit existing forever in this love relationship, in this interconnectedness. And so when in chapter 1 he made man in his image, he designed us to be like him. We need relationships. We need community uh, just like he did. And so he says, you know, in Genesis 1, 26, uh, pay attention to the text. You know, he says, let us make him in our image. Who's the our? Who's the us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he designed us to be in his image, this reflection of his nature made for community. And then God makes Adam, person number one. And everything in Scripture, as God talks about his creation process, everything had been good. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. The first thing that wasn't good, the first problem that showed up in creation is God saw Adam alone without another human being and said, that's not good. Everything else up to this point, good. Adam alone is not good good. Genesis 2.18, it is not good that the man should be what? Should be alone. And I'll tell you, and you probably already know this and feel this in your heart, it's not good for you to be alone. Uh, You need people. You need community in your life. So the first problem, God is all about helping us and ministering to us. We see this in the life of Jesus. Well, the first problem, the first issue that we ever struggled with was loneliness. 
right there in the beginning of the scriptures, and God dealt with it by creating a partner, creating a little community. The first couple, Adam, and then he made Eve. Uh, So loneliness is an issue. You know this. God declared it to be not good. You know that it's not good. And so as we think about how we can start out this year well, I don't want you to neglect with all of your personal goals and your personal resolutions, don't neglect the fact that you're going to need a team to help you sometimes carry that forward to be there for you, and you're going to need to be there for them. All right, so let's get into it. I I was thinking this year we started out, you're reading the Bible together last year, and I'm not going to ask for your, your, hand, your show of hands, but I think a lot of us read the Scripture together last year, and maybe you're a little behind and still finishing up. But one of the things that kind of snags people, you know, as they're, as they're trying to read through the Scripture, is you get in these lists of names, right? These, these genealogies. It could be a chapter. It could be two or three chapters. And you're like, oh, man, this is so, excuse me, this is so boring, I'm not supposed to say that about the Bible, but it's just one name after the other. And the next time you see that and you think, this is so boring, uh, consider the beauty, though, in God spending all of that time to show how one person is connected to another. You've got a father, you've got a mother, you've got a child, you've got grandchildren, and that, and that we are designed to be connected not only to God, not only to our Creator, but to fellowship with each other. And I think that's one of the reasons that God puts these lists of names. He shows us how one generation is, with, is connected to the next, and how these people relate to these other people. So we've got God existing in eternal fellowship, and He makes us after his image, to also be connected in an eternal fellowship. Um, we don't believe as, as followers of Christ that death will end our fellowship with other people and with God, uh, that in fact it's going to usher in a, an eternity in paradise uh, with each other worshiping God. So, as you might suspect, <laughs> we have an enemy, Satan, the devil, and as you might suspect, if God wants us to be connected... <laughs> If God knows that because of the way he drew us up and made us in his image that we are better together, you might suspect that Satan would want to work against that. And yes, right off the bat, there are lots of ways of looking at that story of the forbidden fruit and Adam and Eve uh, disobeying God. One way, and I think it's a very valid way, is to consider how Satan was trying to blow up fellowship and community. Destroy, wreck the fellowship that man and woman had with God and even had with each other. So he targets their primary relationship. Our primary relationship is not, believe it or not, supposed to be with son, daughter, mother, even spouse. My primary relationship is with God. He formed me in my mother's womb. He was there before I was born. He will be there after my earthly life is over. And so um, that's my primary relationship. And so, and so Satan targets it. He knows he can hurt us if he can undermine that one. So what's, what happens after Adam and Eve sin? Chapter 3, verse 8, they started hiding from God. Interruption of fellowship. 
Let's, let's, let's hide from God. And even the relationship between that first couple, Adam and Eve, is interrupted as in verse 12 of chapter 3, they start pointing fingers at each other, start blaming each other, and there is this animosity between them. And remember who started that. Satan targeted those relationships between us and God and us and each other. So God knows that you need relationships and so does your enemy. He knows that he can do damage to us by isolating us, by making us lonely. I was thinking of this story. In the, there's a lot of stories you could go to here, but there's one story in particular in the New Testament. There is this demon-possessed man, Luke chapter 8. His life is a dumpster fire. I mean, it is a wretched existence. And we get a little clue to how Satan slowly destroyed this man's life when we see in chapter 8 verse 29 the demon would force him out into lonely places he knows that we are not at our best when we are in lonely places I get it you're an introvert you need some time alone yes but you also need community you need connectedness and the enemy will try to take us out into lonely places he's been doing this since the beginning right since the opening chapters of the book of Genesis he knows that it wounds us he knows that it weakens us and think about this <laughs> right now we live in a time and place where loneliness is epidemic, right? I mean, I don't think I'm going to get an argument. It's, it's an epidemic. Uh, like America is a wealthy, affluent nation full of lonely people. Um, they've been doing research on this. In the 1980s, they started, and, and Americans said, 20% of Americans said they were lonely. Now they're doing the research, 40% of Americans say they are lonely. That is an incredible growth rate right there, you know, where we're headed. And ironically, just thinking, you know, if you feel lonely today, if you're sitting here hearing this message and you feel lonely, ironically, you're not alone. <laughs> A lot of your neighbors feel lonely and isn't that just interesting how here we are in a city living next to each other, interacting in stores and public spaces, and we're surrounded by so many people who are just brokenhearted and lonely. I'm not a sociologist. I can't offer you an in-depth analysis of how we got to this place, but there are some pretty obvious starting points um, of how we got here. We, we live in one of the most individualistic societies ever. You know, catchphrase of the day, you do you. <laughs> I mean, you do you. We cherish, we idolize, we promote self-identity, individual rights, uh, personal liberties, um, being unique, standing out. And those things are not bad things, but when you're focused on those things, you tend to disintegrate community and focus on the individual. All of this contributes to our loneliness. Um, one analyst, uh, Yuval Levin, puts it this way. 
He says of our modern time, we have set loose a scourge of loneliness and isolation that we are still afraid to acknowledge as the distinct social dysfunction of our age of individualism. The triumph of the individual has led to the, the wrecking of community that we need so much. So by the way, you know, the phone you have in your hand, hopefully you're not surfing the internet right now. You're looking up the scriptures and things like that. That phone doesn't help. Technology is not helping us. Um, social media, like you would think, wow, never before have we been able, I mean, I'm, I'm friends, you know, with my, my high school buddies and stuff I haven't seen in years. I've got all these social networks and things. It's not helping Social networks have multiplied and loneliness has multiplied at the same time. Researchers call this the internet paradox. The internet paradox that you can have these air quote relationships while avoiding the real thing. The messiness of having an actual relationship with another person and it's not an adequate substitute. And so one consequence that we have uh, with, uh, with, with the, way things, way things, the way things have evolved um, is, is it's never been easier to think you are part of a church, for example, without actually being part of a church. I mean, I remember years ago, Don, I got this uh, call from these people hey, we're members at Preston Crest. Uh, we need for you to write a letter of recommendation for our child to get into this Christian school. And I'm like, man, I, I don't recognize these names. I don't know who these people are. I'm asking around the office. Uh, yeah, they used to be here. Anyway, so I'm like, I, I, yeah, are you guys attend? Oh, yeah, we attend every week online. You know, the two parents and the three kids, we sit on the bed, we attend online. And I'm, hey, I love our online viewers. Good morning, happy new year to you. But that is not, that is a substitute and not an adequate one for real face-to-face relationship for being part of the community. Of course, I wrote them a letter of recommendation for their kid to get into Christian. I want their kid to get into Christian school too, but I mean, it was just weird how they felt. Oh no, we're part of the church. Hadn't been seen in years. You know, I was like, okay, I'll take your word for it, I guess. Um, but anyway, attending virtually can be a substitute to attending actually, and it's not a very good one, although we're very blessed that we have that in an hour of need that people can continue to worship online. Um, So check this out. In the New Testament, we're still not to Psalm 142, I promise. That's coming. It'll be at the end of the sermon. But in the New Testament, there are over a hundred passages, one another passages, things that we are asked to do, encouraged to do, that we simply cannot do by ourselves. The New Testament tells us to encourage one another. Okay, Paul is not imagining you talking into the mirror and giving yourself, uh, you know, a, a pep talk. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. Time to time, I need someone to help me carry my burdens. So do you. We confess our sins to one another. We forgive one another. By the way, both of those, if we're going to have relationships with each other, if we're going to be in a community, if God made us that way, the only option is to have a relationship with sinners, with people who struggle with sin. So we're going to need to do some confessing and we're going to need to do some forgiving. Amen? 
because there's no perfect neighbor, there's no perfect spouse, there's no perfect you know, boss, no perfect best friend out there. And then finally we're told, well, finally, there's like a hundred and, uh, there's 96 other one another passages, I think, but seek good for one another. We're looking out for each other. We're seeking good. And I'm not going to list out all the others, but I just think it shows you how we are wired by the creator to be together, to relate to each other, uh, and to do life in fellowship, to, to connect, not just with God, but to connect with each other. And it doesn't help for me, I know, I get it, it doesn't help for me to get up here on January the 1st and wag my finger and tell you it's a sin to be lonely, you shouldn't be lonely, stop being lonely, that doesn't help. The good news is the Bible tells us how, how to not be lonely, how to connect, how to be in community, how to be fulfilled. And so this gets us to David. David wrote a song, and he wrote, I mean, his songbook has very happy songs, upbeat songs. He has some real melancholy, get out the tissue box songs as well because he expresses real life when he's praying and singing before the Lord. And one of these melancholy songs is Psalm 142. He is literally writing this song from a cave. He's living in a cave. He's been abandoned by people close to him. His mission, God said, you're going to be the king of Israel, and it looks like it's being thwarted on every side. I don't know if you've ever had your mailing address be a cave, but that's where David is at, and it is not, as you might imagine, a real happy, sunshiny place. So he writes these words, and maybe these can be words of your heart today. He says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know, I I can't go on. My energy is spent. You know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. He's got some enemies. Look to the right and see there is, listen to the sadness here. There is none who takes notice of me. Do you feel like you're unseen? Do you feel like you're invisible to people? David felt that way. There's none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, uh, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They're too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Was he in prison? No, but he felt like he was in a prison. I mean, bring me out of this jail cell of loneliness, of desperation. Uh, And so, as we finish out this morning and launch into this new year, we learn some pretty important things about walking in community and never being alone. The first thing is we can spill it out. We can pour out our complaint to God. I express my pain to the Lord. And that's exactly what David does. He cries out and he actually records it, you know, writes it down as a song that other people will sing because he knows my experience is 
something that other people are having as well. So I'm going to write this down and let other people in their hour of need sing this same song. uh, That my God is bigger. My God is stronger than me. That I feel like my spirit is out of gas. I know his Holy Spirit is not. I know God that you can handle whatever I bring you. You You can handle my complaints. And so David... He felt lonely. He turned to God. No one sees me, verse 4. No one, verse 4, cares what I'm going through. Verse 6, I am brought very low. Uh, What a powerful thing to be able to name your pain in the presence of God and be reminded... (laughs) He's there with you. He cares. He listens. And God is able to change the trajectory of your life. Do what David did there in verse 2. Pour out your complaint before him. Tell him the troubles that you are experiencing. Talk to God about it. Um, Which points to the fact that we're never alone. Created in his image, we fellowship with him. He's always with us. Number two, I will lean into the community that God has placed around me. And if he hasn't, I will run to create community. I probably should have put that in there as well. But lean in that the righteous, he finishes that song. You know, it's a hopeful note at the end. The righteous will surround me. David says, I know that the sun is going to rise. I I know things are going to get better. Um, The righteous will surround me. And I was thinking just real practically this week, are you part of a Bible class at Preston Crest? I mean, these are communities. I, the words I thought this morning was close-knit communities. I mean, these are some close-knit communities, part of this bigger church community. Um, you need, if you're going to be part of this church and, and really, really grow here and, and, and just become integral here at Preston Crest, you're going to need to be in a Bible class. It's where life happens at Preston Crest. We talk about this a lot because we're, we're kind of proud of it a little bit, but most churches around would be thrilled on a Sunday morning to have 50% of the people who attend also attend a Bible class. We have over 80%. I mean, they are a big deal here, a very important part of the ministry of this church. Of course, there's small groups, there's ministry groups, there's women of worship. There is no lack of opportunity for you to find folks to surround you, folks to do battle for you in prayer, folks to hear your issues and your struggles, folks to you, for you to support and put an arm around and pray over. I'm just so many ways here at Preston Crest. Um, and maybe you're not a member, I mean, and, and you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you uh, join us here at Preston Crest. Be part of our family at Preston Crest if you don't have a church home. If you do have a church home, fantastic. Um, keep plugging in there. Number three, I will enjoy the presence of the Lord. Again, I'm never alone. You know, David will write letter, later, where can I escape your presence? I can go to the other side of the sea and you are there. I am never, you are my refuge. You are my portion where? 
in the land of the living. That means right now. And I love how David, he's not looking to the great by and by. Well, I'm really lonely right now, but someday after I die, I'll go to heaven and God will be there. He says, no, you are my portion now. You're here with me in the land of the living and he is grateful for that. Uh, And Jesus, of course, famously promised us his last words to his disciples, I am with you, lo, I am with you to the very end of the age or the very end of time. The Lord Jesus is with you. Um, And then as we close, yeah, I would just once again say, this is a church that we're not perfect you know, we're, we're growing, we're adding new people all the time. Praise God for that. Uh, we would love to, to have you join our fellowship here. Uh, you, you would make us stronger. You know, your heart, uh, your, your concerns, your talents, just who you are would make us a stronger church. So certainly we would love to have you be part of our church. And we've got a, it, we'll have a membership, uh, a PC 101, that's kind of our membership coffee and conversation uh, coming up here in a little bit. Um, or you can just talk to me or Don about what it is to, how do I become a member at Preston Crest? We'd love to help you with that as well. So, connecting with